gosh, I hope someone finds that million dollar solution. We ended up finding OG dead. He was the the number one. And I see him at probably 18. Get up here, dude. Get up here right now. We got to go like full sprint, man. I actually changed my setup this year. I, I get drawn back right between it, right between a tree crevice. Freaking out as worse as a little girl could. Welcome to the Hoyt Bowhunting Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ferris. Today, our guest is Caleb Griner from Midwest Whitetail. And guys, I was just talking to Caleb offline and his (laughs) Midwest Whitetail recently put out a video and it's the story of Caleb's Whitetail season. And, you know, I've been in the outdoor uh, hunting content game for a long time. And sometimes I find it hard to watch longer form videos on hunting. And I find myself kind of fast forwarding it to the end and watching the kill shot or whatever. I couldn't do that with this video. And it's over an hour long, isn't it, Caleb? It is. And I, I went into it fully anticipating that I was going to watch the beginning figure out kind of what the setting was. And then fast forward to the end, I was just going to watch Caleb kill this deer. And then we were going to talk about it on the podcast or something. No, I absolutely positively could not fast forward. Like it was an awesome video and an awesome story of a season. And we're here to talk to Caleb about it. And I would, I would suggest to most of you to pause the podcast right now. And go watch this video on YouTube. And I think the title of it is 177 inch uh, whitetail taken from the ground is that it was something like that. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was released, what, a week or two ago? I think I think about two weeks ago. Yep. Okay. And right now it's December 28th. So we're looking at mid-December, find that video, watch it, then come back and listen to the podcast because I don't want to spoil things for you. And there's going to be some spoilers in this podcast, but welcome on Caleb. Um, Awesome video. Awesome season. Can't wait to talk to you about it. I appreciate it, Danny. Thank you. And Josh and all the Midwest Whitetail production team, Shay, Casey, Rye, they all did an amazing job on that video. So it was a good team effort on it. Dude, I, I mean, you're videoing on this story. I mean, that it started last year, basically. It, yeah, it, it, it did last year, but really it almost started four years ago when I started getting into these small properties. Yeah. And figuring out, okay, that big 2000 acre piece that looks immaculate. That's not where the biggins are. The biggins are in this little acre or this small tree patch in the middle of nowhere that no one. Yeah. That it's, it's so funny that you're saying that because I've, uh, like I've told you before, I've been concentrating on similar pieces of property for quite some time. And I have a theory that there are places where the bigger, older bucks get, um, they get to the point where they 
they know that the danger is waiting in those heavily timbered parcels and that they spend a lot of their time out there in the, for lack of a better term, the pheasant ground, you know, um, and that seemed to be where you were finding these bucks. You're, you're exactly right. It was a perfect, re- the, the best spots were a perfect recipe of seclusion, seclusion and just areas where no one was hunting. And yeah. you find no pressure areas, you're going to find big bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And the, 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 from the road, they don't look like they have any cover. No. And, but they do, there is cover there. There, there is actually one of the best cover spots that this deer was, was living on was an acre of bushes that was right by the road. And I kid you not, I, I believe that this deer was bedding probably within that 40 yard range from the road. And every time we would park there, I would almost guarantee it that he was bedded there. He knew exactly when we were on the property. It's, it's just crazy, man. I've over the, over the last five, 10 years, I've been spending a lot more time really thinking about everything. And it's just crazy how old these deer can get. They, they're, they're smart. They get old for a reason. They find these spots, these stupid spots that no one's hunting. It's overlooked. You drive by it every day and you don't even think that there'd be a buck there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's the spots that guys are driving by. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know, some of that cover might not be more than, uh, you know, waist or chest deep, but it's thick. And if they're not standing up, you absolutely can't see them there. You know, they're, they're hidden. And what's funny is in at toward the end of the video, while you're hunting, you can see the trucks driving behind you on the highway. Yeah, actually, you can see him the whole time during the hunt. Just like right there. I mean, literally when I'm drawing back, I'm pretty sure there's a truck going in the background. So yeah, yeah. It was, like, it was comical. Right behind you, you know? Oh, that is, it, it's it was so crazy. But uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is, yeah, you, you built it up. They built it up nicely. They gave the history of... Uh, one buck in particular that you were chasing called lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and man, you had an EHD issue hit you this year and I'll let you tell people about it, but it, it was just, it was part of the story that really sucked me in was while you were doing your, that was summer scouting and, and yeah, yeah man. So uh, start starting in the summer, I, this deer, I had one picture of him last year. And the year prior, he was there all the time. So I go in there on a limb thinking, oh, what the heck? Let's go throw a camera up, figure out if this deer's in here. Go back a week later, and I couldn't believe my eyes. And he was there. And fast forward into August, he's still showing up. I put my vine scrapes out. He's smoking them, hitting them. And then somewhere along that line in September, it just falls off. We're getting multiple photos of deer on all these farms that I have permission on on a daily basis. And we're going from maybe having 500 pictures a day to 10 to 12 pictures of deer a day. And that's very, very, very uncommon for me. So, you know, I'm going out there, I'm trying to figure out where I need to move my cameras. Um, We're probably in that late September range, or sorry, I get back from Ohio. We did a CWD zone hunt out in Ohio get back here on the way back. I get another buck 
that I have the most history with that's OG. And he was a 10 year old buck at the time, multiple years of history. And, uh, we get out there the second day of, or no, sorry, I'm losing myself here. I'm sorry, Danny. Yeah. The first no, two, no, it, the first two weeks of the season, it's just dead. I mean, I'm getting no pictures of deer on all these farms. So I'm thinking, okay, I got to go throw some cameras out, go out there. And we start walking the farm and I find OG dead five yards away from the camera that I last got pictures of him two days before I was there. That's the one where you almost threw your hat on the ground. You were just that like is the one where I threw devastated. My hat on. Yeah, I was devastated, man, because I mean, you put all this work in to these animals and you see a buck get to 10 years old and then he goes out like that out of, uh-huh. out of out like from a disease. It's just, it, it's gut wrenching because I really don't care about shooting them. I just care about the animals. I just want to see them. Right. So anyways, we start walking the property and we find loads of, of dead deer all around, all around this Creek. And I'm sick to my stomach. Lucky hasn't been on camera for a month now. So I started. Yeah. Thinking, that was interesting. The first thing that you said when you found that guy was we're, we're going to have to walk this whole Creek. Yeah. And for, for people that have never uh, been in an area that really got affected by EHD or something, or but Blue Tongue 2, I believe, um, is kind of the same way. They'll be right there near the water. But yeah. if you're if you're going out there and you, you, a lot of people might have assumed that, you know, that deer got hit and wounded and just had died right there. Well, you knew immediately you were like, we need to walk this entire creek and then bang bang, bang, you were just finding them. Yeah. And it, it, it was crazy. I mean, we found one buck, the the second buck that we found on that same property, we filmed him two days ago on a property a mile away. We kicked him up. I mean, he was healthy, healthy as can be. So it, it, it was sick too, because, you know, it, I went into October 1st. I had all my, I had lucky on camera and I had, oh, yeah. I was pumped, man. I had two big bucks to, to hunt. You don't think you're going to get hit by EHD the second week, first week of October. No, that's normally mid, mid August to that mid September time frame. Mm-hmm. So it was really, it was just really weird, but yep. Ended up walking, uh, all my permission farms and uh, I'm a dog, man. I go get permission on a lot of stuff. So I got a lot of stuff in a 15 mile range and mm-hmm. every single farm I would, I would say that we were seeing a 70 to 80% kill. It was the most severe I have ever seen EHD ever in an area. That, you know, I want to get more educated on EHD. Like that was alarming watching that part. Uh, Alarming to me. Um, It seems to me like there should be something that we can do to save them from that dang thing. You know, when we know that it's drought conditions and it's stagnant water where the midges are going to live and stuff like that, you would think that they'd come up with some sort of treatment that we could spray over the stagnant water or something like that. You know what I mean? Because that just, I, I couldn't believe it when you started walking up that Creek and you're like, you know, one after another, after another, and you're, you're finding them. And I, you know, because of the title of the video, I knew that the story ends happily later on, but gosh, man, you're sitting there thinking, I don't have any deer to hunt. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And that at, at that point, I still don't know that, that Lucky's even dead. I've been hunting yes. this, whole, this whole entire time. I'm hunting them on these small farms and I'm not seeing any deer. I mean, yeah. I'm, I had 
probably seven sits the first two weeks where I didn't see a single deer. And that's, that's also pretty unheard of. I mean, I'm, I'm, we got good deer numbers, uh, where I was. So gosh, yeah, no, go ahead. It's just crazy. And you said that that one buck you saw two days before and that he seemed to be perfectly healthy. Once again, I don't know enough about EHD, but I would have thought that, you know, you'd be able to tell for like a week before the animal dies that that animal's sick, you know, either by how they look or something. You would think, you would think, but I, I, I didn't notice anything in any of the photos. I've tried going back and putting pieces to the puzzle, but it's something that I really want to, just like you said, I need to learn more about, I need to understand it more and gosh, I hope someone finds that million dollar solution. I mean, that would be awesome. (laughs) I've I've never found a a situation like you did there where I was actually finding it. And part of it's because I'm out here in the West and I'm traveling out to the Midwest to do most of my whitetail hunting, but I've definitely hunted areas that have been hit by EHD. And it's just, it's so sad what it can do to a place in the matter of one season. One dry, one dry year. You're exactly right. And I think what, what made it worse for us or what just made it really hard on me and which ultimately made me leave the area was every time we would try picking a spot to just go sit and actually try and kill a deer. We were sitting by, after we would get up, we were sitting by dead deer. I mean, we had dead deer next to us on every spot that we tried sitting. I mean, you were usually smelling them. Yeah, we're smelling them. We're not seeing anything. If anything, we're seeing coyotes. I mean, you're just sitting there smelling dead, decaying deer every time. It's just gut wrenching. Oh, yeah. And what's it? I mean, you ended up having a good season, but what what's going to happen this next year? Well, it's interesting you say that. So I don't. I, I run a lot of cell cameras. What I would consider is a lot of cameras just in general. I probably run 40 and I would say on a consistent basis on that 15 mile stretch, we probably have anywhere from 50 to 70 mature bucks that I'm keeping track of. Mm -hmm. And I would say right now I have two and I know of one farm, um, where, where we don't have a deer over four years old within a two mile radius. Everything was the whole house was, was cleaned. So every, most of the areas, especially that, I mean, that area where Vendetta was the oldest spot in that area that I I was getting pictures of since then was one and a half. So, I mean, it was, it's going to be tough, but everyone keeps trying to tell me that, you know, all five years from now, you're going to have the biggest bucks ever. So who knows, maybe we'll try it again in five years. (laughs) I hope so, dude. I mean, uh, provided, you don't get the same dry conditions that are conducive to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Right. But I was, I was tough for that, especially the last few years. It's been very, very dry in that late summer time frame, which is not great. No. Uh, yeah. That was gut wrenching to watch all of that. And then, you know, like you said, you were hunting that you weren't necessarily hunting that other buck. The, the first one that you found, OG. You, yeah. you, you wouldn't have passed him. I don't think yeah, I wasn't going to pass that deer. No. deer. I ain't no joker, man. <laughs> but, but at this, at the same time, you're, you're, you're lucky buck, man. That was a framey stud, just 
incredible deer. Exactly, man. That was, he was the the number one. And, and, you know, I probably would have passed OG with a bow because I had an early muzzy tag, but, but lucky was the deer. I mean, yeah. he was the only one that I cared about this entire time. So, but I, you know, we ended up finding OG dead, ended up walking the farm. Like I said, we found a bunch of dead deer and I'm still, I, I walked all this, this ground miles and miles and I can't find lucky. And so we keep putting our time in and over the next few weeks, we're still finding new dead deer show up. So we get to that late October timeframe and I tell Shay, I'm like, dude, we got to go throw some cameras up or something. I mean, it's driving me nuts. I got to figure out where this deer is. So we go over to a, to a farm where the farm that I actually believe that this deer moved to, um, in the summer, all of our creeks on what I called the lucky farm where he was coring up in the summer, they dried up. So I went on to Onyx and I found bodies of water that were as close as possible to where he was. And sure enough, that closest pond that was right by the farm, he was right there. I mean, exactly. And we found him dead exactly where we thought he was. And that was the one you were calling the beaver pond, the beaver farm. The be- yeah. The beaver farm. And um, there was a lot of dams built up in that Creek that had a lot of, of uh, muddy pools of, of water throughout that Creek. I don't, I hope, I don't know if that played a role in it as well, but it it was, it's just crazy, man. It was bizarre because this deer was legitimately also, I put a camera up for him on the beaver farm and he was probably dead when I put that camera up. He was 10 yards away from that camera as well. Yeah. That's super sad, super, super sad. But then somewhere in the midst of all this sadness, you had found this other deer that you, and he was, he was not on the same farm, correct? He was on the same farm, man. Same area. Three, all oh, these he three was. deer. Yeah, all these three deer out in the wide open flats in the same little, probably three mile radius area. So that is and, so strange. Like, you know, why did it get those other bucks? They're probably, they got to be drinking out of the same water sources. Most definitely. Most so definitely. It, it's, once again, I don't know enough about EHD, but why are some spared and some it just crushes them i don't know you you find the answer let me know <laughs> but, yeah, that's crazy but yeah no at getting away i i just I, I reached the point after i found lucky i just had to get away from it man and yeah. uh ended up moving over to western iowa we had some really good hunts over some decoys it's the first year i've ever used actually really really used a decoy and <laughs> i learned <laughs> I learned a lot, man. I mean, I can go into it in really deep detail, but I learned how powerful the Dave Smith is from the boss buck. The attention to detail in that Dave Smith is lights out. And we didn't spook a single deer from that decoy compared to the boss buck. We spooked a few, but there is nothing more fun than watching a buck pin his ears up, snort wheeze and come into the decoy and absolutely wreck it. There is no greater there's no greater feeling. I, I think it's more fun watching that than honestly shooting deer. I really Dude, do. Uh, and y- you know, you and I, I have talked offline about this, but I am a decoy geek. I own a decoy company. Um, I have, uh, I have been a decoy geek for a li- very long time. And the thrill of watching somebody who's kind of just discovering it, <laughs> like, it just makes me so happy. Like it just, it cracks me up watching the reactions to it. You know, 
I, like you said, you're reliving it, man. I mean, yeah, man, I brings a smile just going thinking about it right now. But yeah, using a decoy. If you guys don't use decoys, you need to try it because yeah. it's sweet, man. It's, but, um, there's nothing quite like it. And you know, while I'm thinking about it, remind me to show you later on. I've got a carrying mechanism for that Dave Smith and the little platform that you use that makes it way easier to carry. I'll show oh, you that dude. offline. That's music um, to my ears. Cause you're talking to a guy that most of my access spots are like a mile walk in. So I was would, watching you. I was watching uh, you carry that thing. And I was like, Oh, that looks terrible. <laughs> uh, every, every day, man, I wasn't kidding. I brought that decoy every day. <laughs> I was watching you and he was carrying it up over his shoulder. And this, this contraption I have for carrying it, it was a, it was a sling that was originally for a different decoy. I think it was for a carry light back in the day. And I, so I carry that Dave Smith turned upside down with the feet up next to me with a shoulder strap over my shoulder and then everything in his belly and that big platform that you use to stand him up on. Cause I, for those of you that don't know, um, I I'm a big, believer in that Dave Smith 3d buck as well. It's, it's a pricey one, but man, it's worth it. Um, and it just, it's a much more compact, comfortable, more comfortable way to carry it. I'll show you when we're done. I need to check it out. And if you get one, you definitely probably need one of those. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It it was, but it was, it was really entertaining for me to watch you doing that, you know, and, and watching those bucks coming in and snort wheezing and bowing up. And it's just, freaking it's the coolest exactly but gosh man tap those decoys but you know going we had great hunts but still the area that i hunt over here our doe population is so crazy that it was really tough to see a mature buck we were seeing a bunch of three and four year olds having great encounters but um it took us a while to really start seeing some mature bucks and you know, we we're finally seeing scrapes. We we're seeing good sign and everything going back, um, back, looking back in October on all the areas that I was hunting for lucky OG. I couldn't find a scrape to save my life, man. All of October, mm-hmm. I mean, there was no sign whatsoever. So that was really, really weird to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, fast forward into Thanksgiving the day before I come home for Thanksgiving, I'm hunting public and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, well, I've got, that one camera over at the lucky farm that I left and I've got 13 cell cameras and you know what? He's not on any of those cell cameras. What the heck might as well go check that one non cell on the way home. So I do, I drive, drive down to the uh, lucky farm and uh, the last photos that I had of vendetta were actually at that farm that it was actually the day that I kicked him up. Mm. I, backing up yeah yeah man holy (laughs) tell tell that story dude because it was pretty cool so i I was taking uh, i was taking a i was taking a gentleman that morning um uh trying filming him hunt for guards uh it it was a big part of that story as well but anyways we we finished the morning hunt and i'm thinking guards is the name of another deer for those of you that are wondering if you watched the video already you're gonna know but his buddy's hunting a deer called guards and he's big he's big deer yeah and anyways we get i got that new permission farm where actually the farm where i end up killing vendetta the day before that so i'm like okay i gotta get a vine scrape up there i'm a big vine scrape guy Mm -hmm. big vine scrape guy and um you know i'm like okay i gotta 
grab a bind. The lucky farm's right there. I, there's, I, everything's dying on that farm. Might as well go over there and check it out, grab a vine. Cause there's nothing living there. And I, and it, it, make it even worse. I, I didn't talk about any of these details in the show. Yeah. This deer, that vendetta deer was living in that. He was in that bush patch a mile and a half away the last two nights at seven o'clock at night, last light. So you're thinking, okay, yeah, he's batted there, tucked in for sure. So I go find it. I'm safe to walk in over here. Yeah. So I'm driving the truck back into the middle of the farm. I'm thinking, I'm literally thinking everything's dead. And I find this one tree, the first tree that I come to, that's got a vine. And I slam the door, Shane and I are talking. I'm walking up to this tree. I get about five yards from it. And this vendetta buck just jumps up five yards from me from this tree right under it in the shade and i'm i just look back at Shay. are you kidding me dude <laughs> but it, it was he did a great job man Shay ended up get capturing it on on video but yeah we ended up grabbing that vine going over hanging it and that's the same exact spot that he ended up dying oh my gosh yeah that's <laughs> dude and that buck the way that his he's got main beams that just go out and then up, 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 and they never turn back in. And I can only imagine what that sucker looked like from behind. Oh my gosh. I mean, his behind is, yeah, it's nuts. (laughs) I would have freaking had a, you were having heart failure, dude. I watched you. Yeah. I was going to say, I get pretty, I'm a pretty passionate guy when it comes to these whitetails. So I get pretty, I get pretty uh, fired up sometimes, but, but, you know, getting back into, into the meat potatoes, you know, we get, I get back I, and I go check that camera and hold, I'm, I get back to the truck. I check and I'm like, Holy crap, this deer has been here for two weeks daylight. And I had no idea about it. I got 13 cell cameras in the area and he's dodging them all. Like what the yeah. heck are the odds of this? So uh, I go back, get my Thanksgiving, spend my time with family, go out the next day and hunt that morning. I'm self filming off the ground, right? Where that camera close to that area ended up seeing eight does. And I was, I was shocked. I was like, Holy smokes. I can't believe there's eight does here. There was only one the last time I came or when I left that I knew of in this area, just one doe and a fawn. I mean, it was about a doe and a fawn per square mile. Some sections had two. I mean, it was scarce. So I, 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 it was a slow morning and I was thinking, you know, I might have to try getting in a tree. I'm self-filming. This is just tough. I got to make it perfect. So I run over to Walmart, grab my screw in pegs, link up with Casey. She was going to film with me that night. And um, I'm going back out there. I was, I was going to try glassing this buck up out in the flats. And we, we ended up driving. We're, we're glassing up this one area and Casey's on my, on her, on her phone and looks at the Cuddybacks app. She goes, Caleb, he's on camera right now. I'm like, what? And she, she's like, well, I'm like, where is he at? And she's, she's looking to me. She's like, he's, he's on the, the, I better not say which farm it is. Uh, yeah. we'll call it the North of the Beaver farm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, it was literally just right to my right. Just yeah. the farm right outside the window to the right put the binox out and there he is just bedded up with a doe i'm like holy smokes game on oh so this was the opportunity that i was waiting for all year i mean if you went and looked in that that video the episode i literally say the day we go out there you know who knows maybe we'll end up catching him out here bedded up in a fence line with yeah. a doe, and maybe that's how the story concludes and it, it was just I was getting the jitters, man. I was like, holy smokes. Is this literally happening right now? 
And then, so I call my buddies and of course the only buddies that that's available is my, my best buddy, Rye, Rye Ludwig. He's on the show. Freaking offensive lineman. Yeah, man, <laughs> six, three, 280, just a, a horse, but he can run the camera very well. And he's a cat, man. So yeah, him and I, we, we, uh, we get dropped off from Casey. She drops us off and we start down this fence line. And at first I got the DSD decoy and the reason I brought it was because I know he's got that dough with him. You know, maybe I can sit, take some attention off me and, and yeah. it's a lot of stuff moving around. There's a lot of moving parts. So we're getting up there and we probably get 150 yards from it with that, um, with that decoy. Mm-hmm. He comes out, he comes out. I snort wheeze at him and he immediately looks right at us, checks it yeah. out. But doesn't show any signs of aggression. That doe goes back to the fence line and um, he just follows her. So I'm like, okay, he's not coming to us. Let's go get him. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, and you know, you and I talked about this before, but why is he going to come over there? His doe's over there. You know what I mean? And exactly. the only way he's going to do that is if the doe comes toward you. And if she comes toward you, then he might get aggressive with your decoy. But if she goes the other way, he's going to go with her you know? And yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good concept that I think came into, into play later. The fact that he saw that buck over there, that your decoy. Exactly. That's going to come into play here in a bit. Yeah. Oh, one other question real quick. So the second angle of this, which was freaking awesome, by the way, was, was that who dropped you off? That's my, yeah, that's my girlfriend, Casey, who dropped me off. She's filming right where we were glassing, glassing that buck up. So she's about, she's probably anywhere from three quarters to a mile away from us, just filming us out the truck window, just watching it all unfold. <laughs> that was, it, it, it adds so much. It, it really it did. And she did a great job, but it was hilarious going back, watching the the footage. And I mean, she's at one point, you can see me walking towards the buck and the buck walking towards me. And she's like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> Just questioning everything I'm doing, but it, yeah, no, it's great, man. But we, uh, that anyways, that doe, she, she goes back to the fence line. He falls. So. Yeah. so I'm at the point, let's go get him. But I leave that DSD decoy. It's too much weight. It's too, too much, too much noise. And I'm, I'm at the point where I'm, I'm picking up corn stalks with my hands just to move them so I can get my foot in an area that doesn't have anything that's going to make noise. Yes. I get probably another, I push up another 80 and I'm like, Oh boy, I see a, see a, a buck step up on a terrace that we did not see a little buck. And I'm like, Oh dude, we're in trouble. Luckily he gets our wind, but luckily he just runs straight out. And I didn't think anything of it. Um, but about five minutes later, we push up another 10 yards and all of a sudden a buck appears out of nowhere. I'm like, uh, right. Buck start filming, look back. And immediately that buck just is gone. And Vendetta is standing there. I'm like, what the heck's going on right now? Well, that little buck came around and more than likely probably tried getting in, that vendetta and the doe's bubble and he was pushing them off. So he starts pushing them and he starts sprinting them away from the opposite, opposite direction of where we are. Yeah. And I'm, I look back at Jason, the little buck away from you. Exa- exactly. Like full sprint, man. And I'm yeah. I look back at Ryan. I'm like, get up here, dude, get up here right now. We got to go. And we haul mail another 50 
and we get, we're at a point where I have no idea where he's at. I got to crest this hill. I know he's probably within 20, 30 yards, but I have no idea. Yeah. So I, uh, I start doing my little dance, start crawling, wobbling up there another probably 10 yards. And I see him at probably 18 and he doesn't see me yet, but he, he, he heard me heard like a leaf snap or something. He heard some noise and immediately in my head, I'm thinking, okay, well, I better not move anymore. Let's see what he does. And he starts taking a step, step towards me. And immediately I'm thinking, okay, he totally thinks I'm that buck. Yeah. From from there, like he's coming in, dude. So he's probably, he's making his way in the, in the 10, closing the distance. And, um, I get drawn back right between it right between a tree crevice and he presents an opening right between the fence. And I mean, I just shoot. I, I actually changed my setup this year. I I'm shooting a heavier arrow and a fixed broadhead. So I was super comfortable shooting through grass. Yeah. I'm curious what you run because I, I'm sure you probably run the same or similar kind of setup. Cause you probably shoot through grass often hunting off the ground. Yeah. I there, I use a mechanical sometimes too. Um, it just depends upon the situation. And usually my arrow, I, I'm kind of a middle of the road guy, not super heavy, but like 435, somewhere in there. Yep. Um, and, you know, I like a balance of speed and, and kinetic energy. You know, I don't want to cripple myself when I got to take a little, a little bit longer shot and have to, you know, I don't want to get it to where every yard that you're guessing or whatever is, is, critical you know what i mean so it's a it's balancing act well that arrow ate him up through that grass and i mean the rx7 did its job because he it it was probably a quartering two shot but i put it right there in front of that front shoulder and i knew I, i was confident with it especially with that fix just ate up his heart and immediately after i saw that it was a hard shot i looked back at ryan i'm freaking out like holy smokes like just freaking out as worse as a, a little girl could. And Dude, I'm, I'm re- for what it's worth, your reaction was perfect. Like I, I, anybody that didn't react that way is inhuman. <laughs> that, that's how, that's how kind of how I felt. Cause I see guys like shooting 180 inch deer and barely cracking a smile. It's like, dude, like I'm, almost falling out of the stand, man. (laughs) Well, and that's, that's a major difference too. And, you know, I do a lot of ground hunting and when we're done with this, I want to ask you about your reasons for wanting to go to the ground on this particular hunt. Um, But there's a major difference being 10 yards eye to eye with them and being 10 yards in the tree where they don't even know you're there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, the, there is a huge difference in adrenaline that's pumping through your veins in those two situations. That, that is something that I noticed right away <laughs> when I, even when I started ground hunting though, earlier in the year, I mean, we had a lot of close encounters with those, I mean, two, three, four yards away from us. And even that will really get you going. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different outlook, but <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was pumped, man. I mean, I, I looked at Rye right away. I'm freaking out because I'm celebrating. I know it's a nice shot. I know he's going to die, expire very, very quick. And dude, I turn around and that deer, as soon as I turn around, that deer's flopping on the dirt right in front of me. And I just start <laughs> losing it. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you did lose it and it was perfect man it was perfect like was i was a- i was cheering for you let's put it that way i appreciate it man but it, it was a great accumulation of events and i hope it's i hope it really motivates guys to stick it out all the way through the season because i i really think that a lot of guys don't push themselves all the way to that late November time frame, but man, that's one of my favorite times to be out there. That is when a lot of big, big mature bucks start dying is that last week of November. I agree a thousand percent. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, man, just a great accumulation of events. Also an aspect of, you know, I put a lot of time in for work. Uh, I, I do land management. I, I mean, I'm doing deer stuff literally every day. Yeah. Um, the two deer that I put probably the most time into, I mean, I put more time into other people's deer than my own stuff, but a deer that was on the show, GQ junior and Chuck Norris, um, GQ junior actually disappeared completely. All of my work, he probably died from EHD. Chuck Norris disappeared by the first, second week of October. And that guards deer, this hasn't actually been, uh, it wasn't shared in the episode because we couldn't get the pictures and everything in time, but guards actually ended up dying in that uh, early November time frame. So I was assuming that he probably got hit with that EHD. He was getting over that sickness and he made it through the EHD. Mm-hmm. All of those other deer were dying. And as soon as rut hit, he was, I mean, there were, there were less competition. There was a lot of does in this area still that needed to be bred. And he was running super, super hard those first three weeks of the rut. Well, the last, the day before he expired, someone saw him foaming from the mouth, not looking too great. The next day, someone went out there and they ended up finding their deer dead. So I can only, it makes a guy wonder because I found several dead deer on a lot of clients' pieces down here in this, that mid-November time frame to late November if we had that EHD, if it, if the, that sickness kind of affected them a little bit, they, it ran them down a little bit. And then they hit that EH or sorry, that, that rut, that November time frame, and they're running themselves down. I just wonder if there was a lot of deer that actually ended up expiring as well in that mid to late November time frame because the amount of deer that we are missing on multiple farms that not just I hunt, but on clients farms, it, it's astronomical right now. There's a lot of deer that are gone. Oh man. That's so. got it's it's gotta make you sick. Um and hopefully things turn out to be not as bad as you're thinking that they might. And it, regardless that hopefully the deer herd rebounds quickly because it sounds like you're in a great place and you've you because of the work that you do on a routine basis, you've got your finger on the pulse you know, and what's going on and, and where you need to be and how things are going. But this is going to affect, this is going to, it's going to affect all your landowners that you do all that work for too. You know, yeah, exactly. It's going to be a lot tougher for a guy like myself that is only hunting permission farms to go try and find a, a another big one to hunt next year. It's going to be really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about the ground hunting aspect, because I noticed right at, you know, from the beginning of the season, you were like, you kind of had it, it seemed like it was your goal to shoot one from the ground. It it was. Every year I try and challenge myself to make a goal, what I want to accomplish this year. And I I think that doing and doing that, it really motivates a guy to to get after it and stay motivated all the way throughout season. Sure. 
I think it also makes a guy a better hunter when you challenge yourself like that. You learn something new. But yeah. this area, this area that I also didn't have a lot of trees to work with. That I was going to say, I mean, did, did did you know that you were going to be hunting that area without a lot of trees to work with? And then that's part of why you decided to do that. Or did you already have it in mind that you wanted to kill one from the ground? And it just so happened that you started finding deer in this area that wasn't very conducive to hunting out of a stand. No, I, I was, I just knew that in this terrain, I couldn't hunt out of a tree because I mean, more than enough options. Yeah. This cover is way smaller than what, but I mean, you guys are probably even imagining Yeah, I mean, the, the, the draw, your draw is 10 yards wide. If you give up a part, you have to give up one side of that draw. These farms are so small. If you risk or if you educate a doe, she catches you, she starts blowing. You're going to educate the deer on that farm. You, you got maybe two times you can do that. And then you're done. That big box, he's probably going to be somewhere else or on the neighbors. But right. luckily for me, no one was hunting that that area so i got permission on all the neighbors and around well it's funny because you know i'm starting to see more and more midwest guys um starting to realize what can be done from the ground out of a tree stand and uh and i've been doing it for a long time you know you you know i've talked about that a little bit and um i yeah i in order to hunt the types of properties that you're talking about, you've got to develop a ground game. You know, you've got to develop one. And mm-hmm. um, a, I, I have a feeling we're going to see you doing it a whole lot more often. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny, man. I mean, I, I'm out in the woods every day. So I'm, I mean, I, I sneak up on deer on a weekly basis. So it's, yeah. it's almost fun. So I just, I don't know why I haven't done it earlier. But holy smokes, I feel, I mean, I, I, that tree stand hunting, that that's great, but I feel a lot more dangerous having this in my arsenal now, knowing that I can effectively hunt off the ground yeah. to the deer instead of waiting for him because that, that lockdown phase, man, that's, that might be my new favorite, <laughs> might be my new favorite. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's just, that's dangerous, dude. I mean, you said it, you said it at the beginning. Like you find a bog pinned down bedded with a doe out in a flat and there's, there's the perfect amount of terrain for you to get in his bubble. Yeah. He's in big trouble. And you know, I, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I own a decoy company. I own ultimate predator. We make stalker decoys They're bow mounted decoys. And that is a tool that I use in those situations a lot. You know, I, uh, I, Initially, when I first started getting successful at doing it, it's it's what led me to purchase that company, you know, was the effectiveness of what I was doing from the ground with that decoy. Um, And uh, I can just tell you, I'm a firm believer that if you do find that situation and and you certainly prove that you don't have to have a decoy right there in front of you to make it work, it can happen. But man, if you start playing with that ground, with that, you know, bow mounted decoy setup in those situations, I personally, I do. I really believe that that is when a big mature buck is at his most vulnerable is when he's actually locked down with a doe. And it's so funny because in the Midwest, 
there's I've I've done seminars out there and you can just see these guys, the look, their their eyes roll back in their head like, oh, no, I am not. I am not getting off of my mode path that I take to my tree stand and laying a single ounce of scent out there anywhere. And they're just terrified of it. And to me, I I feel like if you're doing that during the earlier season, when they're in a pattern and you're trying to ambush them, then it's really foolish to do. But in that rut time frame, man, if he's got a hot dough and you bump him or you booger him, he's going to be wherever the hot dough is the next day. You know, wherever another dough comes in, he's going to be right back there. That's my opinion anyway. And there's certainly some guys listening that were probably thinking I'm an idiot, but I, 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 I've been doing it for a long time during that phase, you know, from the ground. And I, I, I feel like there's a lot of untapped opportunity there. I would feel the same way, man. I, yeah, I'm very green to the ground game, but in the decoy game, but I I wanted to ask you, what do you feel like that certain yardage is that you're in their bubble where they're, they're close enough for them to commit? Um, I have found that most times, you know, when I'm doing that, like going in on them when they're locked down with a doe, I try to stay far enough out uh, to where I can get their attention with a grunt call. And I, I purposely try and stay at like that 50 yard range. And like the buck I killed in Kansas this year that you watched earlier, um, you know, he, I got his attention at like 60 to 70 and, you know, he didn't come right away from his doe immediately. He stood there, you know, I grunted a few times. He stood up, he saw me, you know, he, um, uh, he stood there and studied me for a little bit. And then he started posturing, pinning his ears back a little bit and, you know, raking the weeds around him. And it's almost like, it's like bowing your chest out and trying to look over at that dude and say, you better get the hell out of here. You know what I mean? If you don't, I'm going to come do something. And it took him like 15 minutes of doing that. And when I wouldn't leave, you know, he started making his way to me, you know, and that's, that's the way I like to do it. Um, But I feel like that bubble can be, it depends upon, it depends upon the terrain that you're in. It probably depends upon whether he's had other younger bucks. I think the more young bucks that he has around there that are trying to come in and weasel in on that doe, the less likely he is to come away from the doe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. in some situations, you might have one that's, that stands up and looks at you and then rebeds after a few minutes and you got to move closer, you know? But I, I think the key is just, continuing to, you know, uh, getting within that comfort zone and then not leaving and, you know, convincing him before he ever sees you that you're a buck, you know, that that's the key. When he hears a grunt beforehand, it's almost like they think to themselves, oh, crap, because their their whole purpose for pinning that doe down, they try and chase them into a secluded area away from all the other deer. They're trying to hide with her. And when they hear that dang grunt, it's like, oh, someone found me and he's here to try and take her. You know what I mean? And when he stands up and he sees what he's expecting to see, 
You know, it's, it's like, it's, it's not very hard to sell him that you're a buck. It's just hard sometimes to get him to come away from the dough. And you, that's where your bubble that you're talking about, like when that buck turned and saw your Dave Smith decoy at 150 yards, you obviously weren't in his bubble. You know, if, if, if you'd have popped up with that Dave Smith at 25 or 30 or 40 yards, he might've come over there to try and chase you off yeah, in so. my opinion. Uh, I, I I would agree, especially after after all the encounters that we had this year uh, through mm-hmm. the boys. I, I would definitely say that that would that would line up with what I saw. Yeah, yeah. It's but just we are the better when you surprise them like that. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, uh, but I got to tell you, man, when that buck on the video, number one, he's I mean, he is a stud. He is a. Is that your biggest whitetail? Uh, no, no, that's not your biggest one, no. but he is dude, regardless, he's, he's, he's probably my best typical. Yeah. <laughs> he's a stud. And when he walked out from behind that tree at 10 yards, I was dude. My heart was beating. Like I said, I just, it was a video that I couldn't take my eyes off of, you know, <laughs> I was sitting here and my partner that was working across the room from me at different points during that video, I'd be commentating, Oh, oh, oh," you know, and and then groaning when you found a dead deer. And then when, and he's like, what are you watching, dude? And I was like, dude, you got to come watch some of this. You know, it was so, it was so exciting. One of the things that I like most about you Midwest whitetail guys, you know, a lot of the, video whitetail hunting that's being done now, especially for guys that are chasing big bucks. You know what they're doing. They're hunting small food plots. They're putting a cell camera over it. They've got some uh, cover crop that allows them to get into a box blind without being spotted. And I, I know that some of these guys, what they're doing is they don't even go out and hunt in the morning. They watch their cell cameras, and if they see the buck that they're after pop up in one of these small food plots in the morning, they wait for him to go in the middle of the day and bed down someplace, and they slip into that box blind in the middle of the day, and they try and shoot him on that food plot when he comes in later that evening or follows the does in later that evening or whatever it is. And while it's exciting and a very effective way to, you know, to kill big deer, it's like, where's the, where's the woodsmanship? You know what I mean? And all of the things that you were doing in this video, like your mock scrapes and um, and shifting positions and finding these places like they've moved. I need to find where they went. And you're going in there and you're not just doing it. You, of course, the cameras are a big tool, but you're going in there and you're you're you're, you're looking for sign and you're like, oh, this area's this area's rubbed up. There's new scrapes in here. I'm going to build this mock scrape and I'm going to hang, you know, you're not, you, it's just, it's the way that most guys hunt, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that most guys can relate to, I know that I could, you know, I'm watching it and I was like, this is, this is really entertaining hunting to me. You know, uh, I really appreciate you saying that, man. Cause actually I, I get a lot of comments. I don't of guys. I don't think they follow my stuff, but, that that say it's unrelatable when when there's those big big deer out there yeah. but man they're out there you just gotta go find them but all that stuff all that what you were calling woodsmanship that's the stuff that that that's why i love deer hunting yeah. I, I 
well, like sure shooting deers, the cherry on top, but really the fun stuff, what makes you fall in love with hunting really, truly fall in love with hunting and be passionate about it. I feel like is all the, the planning, the time, yeah. all, all the effort put in to try and find that one good buck or, or just a good buck for, for your, for your season. I just think it makes it more, more enjoyable doing it like that. And it makes it more rewarding. And, you know, having those crappy days or, I mean, I have multiple days oh, where dude, the you're guys coming out like nonchalant, like there's a lot of uncontrolled variables when you're hunting permission stuff, man, or public, but it makes it more fun. I mean, it you, makes it more challenging. You also, on this particular season, I mean, you got kicked in the nuts repeatedly. Like, before this happened, the dead deer stuff was like, the that was horrible, man. It was such a buildup to this to this moment like oh he's still got a mature buck to, that hasn't died that he you know and then to go take him in such a spectacular manner you know it was like dude that was a dream season to 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 capture you know yeah. what i mean it, it really was man it's fun when a plan comes together and i i couldn't have i couldn't have been I couldn't have been more appreciative of just uh, the opportunity just let alone getting to see that deer that was the first time well, I never got to see that deer without spooking him. <laughs> but, but yeah, well, no, it, it was a blast, man. And what what did you say your girlfriend's name was again? Casey. Casey. Okay, like you, dude. Her part in that added to the video uh, so much. I mean, it gives that second angle and being able to see exactly what you were doing and what cover you were working with and how you were slipping in on this deer, where he was and all that. And there was a couple times where she was showing you sneaking around that fence and, and I couldn't see where he was at the time, but I rewound and I saw that, okay, he's right by this bushy tree somewhere. And then when it goes back to you guys sneaking up on him, I'm looking at the bushy tree and he must've bedded down again right underneath it or something or disappeared for a second. And then the next time it goes back to that second angle, here he is like coming out from underneath that tree and you can see how close you've closed in, you know, and it was just so exciting, man. It was, it was so exciting to watch. And hopefully some of these people took my advice and paused the podcast and went and watched the video first, because I feel like it's just, you know, it, it, to know what we're talking about is a whole lot funner. Well, if, if you did, thank you. I appreciate you guys watching, but man, it, <laughs> I just, I, I hope that one day I get to relive a moment like that. I hope any deer hunter, if you, if you're, if you haven't tried ground hunt, you got to try it. I yeah. mean, I, know I, I, I thought it, I mean, in all honesty, last year, I thought ground hunting was a joke. Yes. I started at mid November because I wanted to try running a decoy had a couple decent hunts but there's just so much you can learn and there's a lot of opportunity it's like it, it's yeah. it, it's like if you've been locked into one tactic and thinking that and it's funny because the guy that taught me to whitetail hunt is uh was a guy I was in the military with from southern louisiana and you know he when it according to him whitetails are killed from trees period Period. You know, and we were hunting in eastern Colorado, like the first five years that I was really chasing whitetails hard in prairie states that didn't have very many trees to choose from. And I, I 
probably spent five years watching them run around out there in the uh, in the CRP and stuff like that from the from the tree and thinking that it was just wasn't a possibility to get out after them. And I still feel like that's the way a lot of guys from further east think of things. And if you've been locked into that one tactic for your entire career, you just don't know until you start experimenting what uh, how big this other world is you know what i mean like there's so many more things you could do i agree and i think in the whitetail world whitetail adrenaline is my actually my favorite show Um, yeah but they i think that it's the whitetail ground game is going to pick up big time over the next few years i really i really do i think it'll be a big big thing with um individuals probably my age or younger probably younger yeah Kind of the way saddle hunting has for the last however many years now. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten my my butt in a saddle yet, but you haven't really. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by that. Yeah, honestly, I, I haven't. It's just a uh, it's a little too much going on. Yeah. Well, you know, I I first tried it when Trophy Line first came out, and this is 20, 25 years ago, probably, and um, it it didn't get near as like the equipment that they were using back then wasn't near as good as the equipment, like the platforms that they've come out with and things like that for doing it now. And it's funny, like you're, you're hunting home turf, like right near your house. So you've got a lot of, and you've got a job that lets you put a lot of time at the right time of year into that home turf. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're traveling to hunt like I am, like going out there to the Midwest, I might have a week. You know what I mean? And so when I go out there, the back of my truck has all of my different tactics in it. I've got at least one ground blind. I've got a few tree stands. I've got a saddle. I've got, you know, my my decoys. Um, and I'm... I'm literally trying to make sure that I am ready for whichever one of these tactics that I end up needing to use in that particular terrain at that particular time. And half the time, I don't know which one I'm going to need, you know? Mm -hmm. So like the, the saddle game, I feel like that's really a, you know, that's, that's a hang and bang at its essence, you know? And for somebody that's going, away from home or, you know, traveling somewhere to, uh, uh, even if it's, you know, going an hour away to a piece of public that you don't typically hunt where you don't want to leave tree stand. It's a great way to do it. You know, it's, it's, it's a really cool, fun way to do it. I might have to take a peek at it then next year because I have a lot of long walks and I do a lot of hanging hunts and yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 it's at first it's intimidating and it's cumbersome looking and you're certainly younger and fitter and more capable physically than I am these days. Um, dude, you'd get, you'll pick it up like that. Like super fast. It's, it it is a pretty cool way to do it. And it's not necessarily, you know, I, I can't necessarily say that once I'm up there, I'd rather be in a saddle than in a, uh, like a comfortable little hanging bang stand. Like my favorite hanging bang is that little tiny millennium. Oh yeah. Um, that like, little tiny one. I know exactly <laughs> and, which one. Yeah. It's like six pounds or something like that. <laughs> and I forget it's the F 100 or I, I, or 70. Um, but that little sucker, you know, you get it hung up and it's comfortable as heck, 
you know, but, um, uh, it, it's still not as versatile. I don't think as a, as a saddle, because you, you know, when you're doing it from a saddle, you don't necessarily have to have a, a straight tree, mm-hmm. you know, you can hang in all kinds of different places. It, it's cool. You ought to, you gotta give it a fair, try. Man. I might have to get one of those, or maybe I'll just have to get one of those DSD straps. That'll that'll make the load a little easier to carry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I need to show you that because that was Oh, don't worry, painful. man. I'm gonna remind you because trust me, that was that was not fun this season. I was watching it. I was watching it, man. I was like, oh shoot, that looks hard. Um well uh man i hope everybody has uh has enjoyed it um why don't you tell them where to find you on instagram uh my name is caleb griner k-a-l-e-b-g-r-e-i-n-e-r and it's caleb dot isn't it okay. yeah yep caleb dot griner yep check him out there's pictures of this buck on there um of course midwest whitetail um most of our listeners know where they can find that but if you didn't already um go find this video do yourself a favor it's it's a little bit longer format than most youtube videos that you find out there well worth it in my opinion man well worth it one of my favorite ones that i've watched in the last 10 years probably well thank you the guys did a great job josh rye shay casey everyone no they they really did you guys did a good job you know uh with the cameras throughout the year and everything but whoever put it together on the uh editing floor they did a really good job too but what an entertaining season and what a a, a spectacular deer and spectacular way to take him so uh, we appreciate you coming on man i hope everybody enjoyed it thank you danny all right we'll see you on the next one guys (laughs) 